When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ahí va a llegar el gol del Arsenal Ophil. Marca Mesut Ophil. After three months out, you can see he's a little bit rusty, but football plays it down the wing to football. He crosses it. There's football. He's football the football. Oh, yes. This is Arscast Extra. Hello and welcome to a brand new Arscast Extra, as always, with James from Gunner Blog. James, goodly morning to you. Goodly morning to you, too. How are you doing? I'm okay. My hair is ridiculous. <laughs> What's happened? Well, I haven't cut it in about two and a half months. Okay. And it's ridiculous. I look like a clown. Really? Is it long? Like, you know, is it stylable? Um, well, I mean, if you wanted hair that stuck out in all directions, then yes. Okay, I'm intrigued. But other than that, I'm, I've, I'm, I'm powering up the clippers right now. And I think I'm just going to have a way oh, really? with it all. Yeah, I think so. I mean, on, on the one hand, Arsenal haven't lost a game since I let my hair grow. So there is Very that element true. to it, you know? Very true. I've sort of grown, well, mine as as back, far back as it w- will grow, I think. I am mm. going to reclip it probably tomorrow. Maybe I should reclip it tomorrow. Right. Just before the game, like a footballer. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. that I out onto the pitch looking all sharp yeah but uh i I've, i just drove past the stadium actually this morning the emirates stadium that is not the etihad um but it looks uh resplendent in the monday morning sun there's a very big va- back to school vibe across london because everything reopens today right uh, pretty much well shops yeah shops open today and um with football so soon on the horizon yeah, it does feel like uh, I'm not going to say things are back to normal or anything like it, but certainly closer to a normality we recognise. That's for sure. Yeah, we we had the shops open here last week, so right. um, you know people were uh, people were out and about and doing their bits and pieces, and uh, people were judging the people for going out and doing their bits and pieces. Uh, of do, course. do you have do you have pennies over there? Yeah, we still have pennies. You mean the, the coin? The no, currency? no, no, no. The shop. It's called pennies. Or do oh, you, right. <laughs> do you call it um, Primark or Primark? Or we call it Primark. Primark. Yeah. Okay, yeah, we've got pennies. And all the people were queuing up outside pennies to go in and get, like, the bits and pieces that you get from there. And there was sure. a lot of people going, look at those people queuing outside pennies, for goodness sake. And you think, hang on, people have been locked away for months and months, you know, Mm. at home with their kids and all that kind of stuff. Surely they're allowed to go out and um, buy things. Hang on a second. Oh, there it is. Uh, You know, it's really weird. You kind of have to recalibrate your mind because we've been we've been used to this idea that nobody should be anywhere. Nobody should go out. Nobody should do anything. And now people are out again. It's like, wait a minute. They're out. And then you go, well, <laughs> I'm also out. Um, yeah. Fuck. 
It's weird. <laughs> you just start screaming and yeah. running around in circles. <laughs> uh, For people listening to this, which is you right now, we just had to stop to do like a little bit of audio checking because James was getting some some strange sounds um, mm. in his ears. And now we've completely lost track of where we were. But we were talking and about people being out and about and stuff. It turns out it was just the voices in my head. Uh, All of those voices. Exactly. Screaming again and again. Um, so, yeah, I mean, how do you feel? Football is close now. Football is, you can smell the football from where we're stood. Yeah. Like if I was a scent-hound, a bloodhound, I'd be like, the football's just around the corner somewhere. I know he's hiding around here. Um, how do I feel about it? You know what? I I have, since March the 7th, mm. whenever it stopped, was that the last time we played football? That was the last game we played, I think, was March the 7th. And then there was you know a few bits and bobs that were going on around the whole... Um, Arteta and COVID and the shutdown and sure. the lockdown and stuff like That's that. That's right. There were a couple of games we didn't play that we were yeah. supposed to play the following week. Yeah. Um, but I've I've written a blog every day since then without mm. any football whatsoever. I mean, there have been bits and pieces of, um, you know, news and little stories that have developed and things that, you know, uh, have been of wider interest to the Arsenal community and what have you. But I'm fucking glad that football's coming back so I can write about football again and not necessarily have to think about what it is I'm going to I'm going to commit to to the blogosphere every morning, you know what I mean? I mean, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. it hasn't been that difficult in a, in a weird way because there's sort of always something going on, but just to have that structure of football back, I am I am happy about that. It's going to feed you stuff to write about, you yeah. hope. Yeah. Surely. Yeah, and again, so going back to what we were talking about last week, it's like, how how am I going to feel about it? How am I going to, you know, how is it going to impact my mood? Mm. You know, in, in the sense that we've had a lot to worry about over the last few months. Everybody out there has had a lot to worry about to, to one degree or another, whether it's COVID or it's finance or it's, you know, kids being off school or all these various things that we've had to worry about. But I don't think anything out there provides us with such um, swings of of emotion as football does. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Of so there's, there's all the low-level stuff that goes on every day, you know. Yeah, so you can lurch from being extremely happy to extremely unhappy in a very short period of time, within 90 minutes, you know, sometimes shorter than that. So yeah. it is going to be really interesting to see um, how, that, how that goes. But, you know, in general, you know, the, the return of football suggests, and I'm not saying this is uh, absolutely the case, but the return of football and the return of um, shops being open and things like that suggests that we are heading in the right direction in terms of how we've how we've coped with uh, the disease and and the spread of the disease, um, and that can only be a good thing for everybody. You know that we are able to get back towards something approaching normal. Um, so that's yeah. you know that's it's a positive thing. I think 
It is, and I, and I share your sort of tentativeness because human beings adapt very quickly. And when we're all told, well, you've got to shut down, you've got to stay inside, we very much get into that mindset and mm. almost breaching that feels transgressive. But uh, it also feels good to have football matches to watch, things to invest in, to watch on the telly yeah. that aren't just the news um, and that allow you and afford you that element of escapism. Um I mean, yeah, I'm really looking forward to the game, I have to say. And I think certainly in the first week or two, I'll probably watch a lot more Premier League generally mm. and broadly than I might otherwise do. You know, I sort of feel yeah. like I probably will end. What's the match that's before us on Wednesday? Aston Villa and someone. Yeah. So if you asked me, you know, on a... Let's have a look and see who it is. Ast- I think it's Aston Villa and Sheffield United. Right. right at six o'clock on Wednesday. Come on, the Villa. We need we need Villa to win that game for us. Do we? Oh, I guess we do. Yeah. Yeah. Gosh. Sheffield United are you know ahead of us in the table, so very much know. in the mix. So and yeah, even despite that and our close rivalry with Sheffield United, I think you know a few months ago, I probably would have given that a miss. But I imagine I will watch that on Wednesday. Yeah. And I imagine on Friday I will watch Norwich Southampton. <laughs> on Saturday <laughs> I'll even find the time to take in. Bournemouth Crystal Palace because I have missed the Premier League and it's not going to be the Premier League as we know it but it is going to be football and there will be drama inevitably people will be happy or sad and there'll be chat about it and I'm looking forward to that Have you watched any of La Liga and there's another thing you know Spain was a country which was extremely uh, badly affected by by the COVID nineteen crisis and football starting again is is a positive thing. There, have you watched any of La Liga? A, a couple of things um, occurred to me. I know we've had the discussion about the the fake crowd noise and the uh, the virtual reality, the augmented reality that exists. You know, when you're watching a game in Spain now, they have these pro evolution two. Um, fans in the background, you know, this sort of... Yeah. They oversold their graphical capabilities somewhat there. They I think. did, didn't they? It just, you know, it looks like a sort of, yeah, an old school video game. But the combination of it with the crowd noise, you know, if you're just paying scant attention to it, it is yeah. vaguely comforting in terms of, you know, your viewing experience. So I'm, I'm curious... You know, if you've watched any of it and what you thought of that, I have. I mean, I've seen mainly highlights rather than full goals. You know, I saw Messi's goal and Braithwaite scored as well for Barcelona. For, I think mm. it was his first goal for them. I um, I've seen bits and pieces. I, yeah, I kind of feel the same on the graphics that. You know, it is, I mean, I think even Nice made a joke about it on Twitter. It's very easy to take the piss out of it because it does look kind of faintly ridiculous when you when you properly step back and analyse it. But I agree that as a kind of a wash effect, it does sort of stop your brain from going, this looks weird. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because yeah. Your, your focus is actually never on the crowd when you're watching a game. You're following the ball and the action on the pitch. It's just, it is just window dressing and in a funny kind of way i think the fakeness of it sort of means that you your your eyes quite quickly sort of um blur it out almost you know you don't pay any focus to it um and there is something comforting about that like i say yeah Mm. have sky properly i don't think sky have properly unveiled what they're gonna do uh, and BT quite yet, have they? No, I don't think so. I think they did talk about the the, the crowd noise. I, I think what's 
Disconcerting. Do you think the noise? Sorry, do you yeah. think the noise makes more sense with the? A sort of CG crowd. Well, that's the thing that I found a bit disconcerting because, you know, the normal match view camera, the sort of, um, you know, the one that's just looking at the, the pitch, yeah. you look at it from left to right or whatever it is, um, you know, that has the, the virtual reality crowd. The problem is, is that sometimes they disappear. Just very occasionally they might disappear or when the camera angle moves or they, they switch to another camera, not all of the cameras have the the fake fans there mm. so you're looking at right. you're looking at let's say a piece of action and then they cut to a camera angle a replay that that's taking place uh you know from behind the goal for example right yeah and yeah. the crowds that were supposedly there making this noise are no longer there all you see are empty seats and that's a bit disconcerting i found that a bit disconcerting anyway you know mm-hmm. the, the 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 soundtrack you can kind of buy into the soundtrack a little bit more when you have those virtual reality fans there but as soon as they're not there you're like well this is completely fake they're like sort of weird vampire fans yeah you can't see their reflections yeah and replays um, yeah yeah, interesting. I mean, I think I stand by sort of what I said last week, which is I think for Arsenal games, I'll sort of require the reality. Do you know what I mean? I mm. want to see it like warts and all. But, you know, for some of those other fixtures I mentioned, I, I probably will at least have a go with the, the new tech. Mm. The other thing that it struck me from watching the games in Spain was uh, the, the celebrations. And the handshakes and, you know, there was none of this sort of doing elbow taps, you know, like oh, we really? saw. Right. They were properly celebrating and, and handshaking and stuff like that after they scored goals. So, I mean, it wasn't quite the pylons and all that kind of stuff that you saw. But, there, you know, there was close contact between the players. And I just wonder, are there um, protocols in place in the Premier League regarding that. I know that the, the players are being tested and everything else. Mm. And if they're free, you know, if the tests say they're all negative from the virus, then, you know, does it make any difference? But I just wonder, are there, are there protocols for the players to follow when it comes to things like that? Like, for, as far as I'm aware, they're doing away with the pregame handshake. Sure. Which is great. I love that. Will we still get the, the Premier League anthem is the big question. Yeah. I, Will the players just stand there and, and sing it with, with their hearts? What is the Premier League anthem? I, I can't remember. It's like, like da, 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 da. Isn't it? <laughs> Shall we look up what it is? Premier League what anthem? What is the Premier League anthem? Here we go. 2019-20 uh, Premier League theme song. Oh. Are you, can you hear this now? I can't. I, uh, where are you getting it? Oh. YouTube, Premier League theme song, 1920. I think if you play it, I'll be able to hear it. Yeah, hang on. Premier League theme song, 19... Which we've all missed. We've all had it on our iPods on repeat. Okay, hang on. For the last hundred days. Should be able to get this, but it might well play an ad on YouTube first. Probably for that fucking bastard Grammarly thing. I fucking hate Grammarly. Just so people know. Anyway, here we go. Oh, maybe. Here we go. This bit's not familiar, but I think... Oh, yes. Yes, here we go. Yeah, that's pretty shit, isn't it? I honestly... 
I want to see them belting that out like the national anthem. <laughs> the players just standing there going, and the camera, the camera sort of passes once the one, and you're like, oh, look at. Look at the academy players, how they sing the Premier League anthem. They love it. Look at that cunt. He's not singing it. He doesn't He's not care singing. about the Premier <laughs> League. <laughs> Deport him. Uh, yeah, so there's that to look forward to. Oh, yeah. There's also uh, go on. all the... Um, well, just quickly on the celebrations thing. The, the Premier League guidance appears to be, I think, that you have to be in close contact with someone for... 15 minutes, I think is how they determine it, because we had some positive tests in the Premier League, didn't we? But it didn't force the rest of the squad and the team they played against in a friendly into isolation. I was not aware of that. What was that? Um, I think maybe David Ornstein tweeted out. You know they do the weekly... Mm. um, Yeah, I must have missed ...tests. Uh, I think there were two positives... Uh, I've just looked up David Ornstein on Twitter. Turns out there's another David Ornstein um, (laughs) who tweets in a completely different language. So uh, here we go. I'm sure he's put something on the... Here we go. Two positives there were in the recent round of tests on June the 13th. Right. And um, I forget who they were, but apparently, uh, basically... They said that the, the whole squad didn't have to go into isolation, despite the positive tests and despite the fact that the squad had played in a friendly against another Premier League or Championship team. And I think it's because they're working on guidance that you have to sort of be, uh, I don't know if intimate's the right word, but closely in contact with someone for a, a period of time of about 15 minutes, which mm. I guess celebrating a goal does not necessarily constitute. Yeah. Um, Where does that come from, though? Because it just strikes me that's a bit, like, at odds with everything that we were told. This yeah, 15 minutes thing. What Someone I, has I to just cough at you the, for 15 minutes. Yeah, I wonder if it's to do with the government's track and trace system that's in place in this country, in which case it's probably a disastrous policy. But, um, you know, I think, for example... In that instance, if you were diagnosed positive, you test positive for coronavirus, but you've, you know, been on a train, not everyone on that train has to isolate. But if someone was sat next to you for the duration of that train journey, they would have to. So there is a kind of distinction between types of contact and what's likely to pass the virus on. I got to say at this point, I am not an expert. In case anyone listening was suddenly under the illusion I suddenly knew what I was talking about, please don't take medical advice from me. Yes, please. Please Um, don't. (laughs) (laughs) But I am looking forward to seeing how the coverage plays out. We did also learn, didn't we, that there's going to be, certainly for the first number of games, I forget how many it is exactly, no names on players' shirts. Um, it's going to say Black Lives Matter. Yeah, we had a question on that from the Discord, which I'll do. He said, "What do, uh, from Naughty Norts, who says, what do you make of the announcement that players will wear uh, hashtag Black Lives Matter on their shirts for the first game back? How empowering do you think it is? And do you think it'll have a subsequent impact on the equal coaching opportunities uh, for people from the, from, how do you say that? B-A-M-E? Yeah. How do you I, say I, I that? I think I say BAME. Do you? Like a, yeah, right. it's worth, yeah, you hear BAME a lot. So I've read it so many times, I don't think I've ever heard anyone Because well, it is an acronym, it. right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think BAME is fine. Right. So uh, people from BAME backgrounds. Mm. Well, I mean, I think it's uh, great that they're doing it. I believe they're also going to have a badge for the NHS on the front of the kits. Great. Um, 
So it's a sort of rare case of the Premier League. Maybe that's a bit harsh, but it's a pleasing case of the Premier League sort of, you know, taking a moral position on something rather than a financial one. I I think what was interesting from what I read was that um, they told the Premier League they were going to do this. They didn't necessarily ask. Right. That's what I read. Who did, sorry, the PFA or the The players. Right. Wasn't it? It was more or less, this is what we're doing. It's not like, can we do it? It's like, this is what we're doing. Well, Uh, fair play, if that's the case. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm all for it, obviously. And I have to say, I mean, you know, Arsenal, when they played Brentford, I think they did that picture of all the squad uh, kneeling on the halfway line with the tag Black Lives Matter and... Um, my understanding is that came from the players too, by the way, rather than a sort of club. Uh, yeah, that was Mikel Arteta said that as well. That it was the players who wanted to do that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I happened to post that on my timeline. And without wishing to sort of bring the mood or the tone down, it is kind of... Uh, I was really shocked, actually, at some of the replies and mm. the sort of vehemence of opposition. Um so, yeah, I'm sure there are people out there who aren't happy that that's going on the shirt. But for, speaking for myself, I think it's great. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you only need to look at some of the stuff that's gone on over the weekend, um, you know, to be not yeah. that surprised by some of the reaction. But I think the majority of people will will get behind it. And remember, you know, that this is a football club um, which has a storied history with with black players. Mm. You know, I I don't really understand how you could be an Arsenal fan with some of the the, the players um, who have played for us and and the impact that they've made um, and the way Arsenal operates within the community, you know, whatever else people might have issue with with the football club, the way it operates within the community and the positive impact that it has. You know, how could you... um, How can you stand and cheer for players and then... Uh, have an objection to a message which is uh, anti-racist or fighting racism. I just don't, I can't get my head around it, you know? Yeah, but I think it does happen. And I think that, um, I I think that people would say that in some instances, you know, you might be supporting a a black athlete, but in doing that, you're kind of, it's because they're of value to you, you know, in theory. Like if you, if you, if you are, racist basically you might be able to do that because you're like well in this instance it's sort of transactional but I completely agree about Arsenal and you know no club is uh, well if you pardon the expression whiter than white in this no institution in football is exempt from having to examine themselves and one of the things that slightly irritated me when all this happened is I kind of felt like every message each Premier League club put out was kind of like it was basically a tweet going, well, we're not racist. And I kind of feel like that's sort of missing the point. Like, I think the point is that society is kind of inherently and intrinsically racist, and only by admitting that can we sort of really deal with the issue. But setting that to one side, I do agree with you that Arsenal is a club that has a a particular black cultural influence. I mean, look at the... Yes, the great black players we've had, you know, Ian Wright, Thierry Henry, Patrick Vieira. You could make a case for three of the them being maybe, you know, some of the in the top five in Arsenal's history. I mean, and also as a fan, I mean, I remember Clive on the Arsenal Vision podcast talking about how in the 80s, as a black fan in London, he felt that Arsenal was the place he could go and that he could be 
you know, comfortable and accepted. And that, I mean, I do take pride in that, but I don't think it means that either that we shouldn't look at ourselves and think, what more can we do? And certainly the coaching thing is a really, really good example, I suspect. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a discussion that we'd need to have with somebody with more uh, knowledge of it, but certainly... Uh, the opportunities given to black coaches, for example, uh, appear mm. far, far less than than you know. Uh, than I don't know. Did you just say white people? I don't know. Yeah, I think you do. I think because if you don't, you're not really, you're not really acknowledging the whiteness. You know, the privilege sure. of it. So I think yeah, white people get get more chances. Yeah, uh, and, and probably can fail more if you like. Yeah, yeah, you know? for sure. For sure. Uh, if you look at some of the football coaches that have had job after job after job, uh, that hasn't been the case uh, for, for some black coaches. So, look, it will be interesting to see um, the players w- with that message. And, you know, there's a, a, a unity uh, in that message from within the squad that I think is important. And, of, of course, when you've got a, a football club like Arsenal, um, you know, the, the, there are things, as you say, that, that we can all examine and we can look at and we can think about. And, and maybe it is time to look at some of the things that we thought, well, you know, we, we can't do anything about that or those are things that we just have to accept in the sense that, mm. you know, I, I, you know, the message that Arsenal put out, how can you argue with that message? Of course, people will say, well, look at our sponsor and look at, you know, the, the issues that they have in, in terms of human rights and, yeah. and those kind of things. So I don't know, will it spark some sort of a change in that? Is it something that we could make enough noise about to, to have an impact? I, I don't know. I think we're dealing in too much money for that to be the case. But, you know, th- there is a, there's a movement happening and, <clears throat> you know, football... Um, and, and football players are very in tune with that. You know, Hector Bellerin, for example, at at our club, um, and we have a lot of black players um, who will feel very strongly about this as well. You know, there's a... I think we had a question. Uh, God, I can't find it now. But it was about... Let's see... Uh, it's from David N. Lewis, who's at David Coop Courier on Twitter. He says there seems to be some uh, really good discourse being initiated by players about society as a whole. Should the club mm. try and support, support the stance that these players are taking? Uh, for example, Marcus Rashford's letter to MPs about you know uh, childhood starvation, poverty, meals yeah. for for young children. I mean, what he has done um, is incredible. It really it is. is. He's a credit to his club and to the Premier League more generally in the way that he's tackled that particular issue of of meals for kids who you know are in difficult financial situations. And I, I think that um, you know I, I think I mentioned last week that Raheem Sterling went on Newsnight and talked about uh, Black Lives Matter and the kind of you know social and civil civil issues there. And I do think there is a really impressive generation of well, I mean, young black players, to be honest, in the Premier League and particularly in the England setup, who are vocal about these things mm. and, you know, do speak up on issues. I- I'd love that, to be honest. If You know, we love Bellerin for it, don't we? That he's prepared to kind of step outside the bubble of football and have an opinion and try and use his platform, mm. and use his influence for what he sees as good causes or sees as right. And I think more Premier League players doing that would be... For me, very, very welcome. I'm not one of those stick to football guys. I'm like, if you've got a platform, use it to do good. I think yeah. that's absolutely right. I was looking, uh, there was a, an interview last night, I think it was on The Guardian with Sesk, 
you know, who came out very, very strongly uh, about it. And he said, um, you know, it's been happening for years and years. It's time to speak up and act. You know, if you if you have to close stadiums and hand out bans, we should. Because, you know, let's face it, football um, has not dealt with racism as strongly as it could have. It just yeah. hasn't. You know, from the top down, um, I don't mean to say that it has condoned it or anything else, but, you know, there is that amazing uh, example of, of Nicholas Bentner being fined more for wearing paddy power underpants than, than clubs or countries that have been actively racist in terms of what they've chanted and, and everything else. You Absolutely, know, so yeah. it's, you know, it's about sorting out the priorities and sorting out what's, what's really important by all means find Nicholas Bentner, 80,000 pounds for wearing paddy power underpants. But if you're going to hand out meager fines to football associations and to football clubs and, and, you know, for, for behavior, which is far, far worse and much more insidious, you know, it just, it's ludicrous, you know? So Mm. it's, it is, it is, it or it does feel like it's a time where, where perhaps that that focus is is going to change. You know, fingers crossed. That would be yeah. nice. Yeah, I mean, look, one of the other things that Seska said, you know, is about uh, players speaking up, and he says, you know, there have been strong players recently that have stood up for themselves. They don't care about the consequences. Uh, they have been strong. They've just been strong, and I take my hat off to them because it's not easy. And I think there is, you know, an element of not wanting the backlash or not wanting of to damage your your commercial reputation and all of those things that players um, have had to worry about down the years. So, look... Let's get it back on track a little bit in terms of in terms of Premier League and, and football mm. coming back. Uh, I think we had a question. It was a simple thing uh, from Ben, who's at Lego Haired Jesus. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. So we're all hoping that the real Lego Haired Jesus does his good work starting on Wednesday. But the simple thing is, what what are you most looking forward to about football returning? Oh, I tell you what. I tell you what I'm looking forward to. Um, if I do watch the Arsenal games without crowd noise, I'm looking forward to the ball, the sound the ball makes when it hits the net. <laughs> Being able to hear that audibly uh, will be delicious. I mean, not when it's Sergio Aguero for the fifth, but, you know, <laughs> when it's an Arsenal player scoring, certainly. What about you? Yeah, yeah, the same. I'm looking, looking forward to David Luiz cracking one in from 40 yards from a free kick. I saw him do it in training. I couldn't believe it. Get out. They must have edited that clip. I mean, to sh- it must have been 100 takes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I saw him bang one in the top corner in the training video. Yeah, I've, what am I looking forward to? I don't know. I mean, just just the overall... Um, I was going to say spectacle, but the spectacle is different, you know? Just... It's still a spectacle, I think, seeing these guys, these sort of super athletes competing. It's still, I think, even without a crowd, there is something very compelling about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, look, having the discussions and the the debate, I tell you what I'm looking forward to most is when Arsenal posts the team news on Wednesday... (laughs) <laughs> and everyone loses their and shit. And everyone loses their reason. And goes, what, what do you mean? Mustafi's oh playing. Mustafi's going to play, isn't he? He definitely is. Yeah. I think it will be a very similar looking team to what it was, you know, when football stopped. I would imagine. Mm. 
Yeah, I mean, we we, we will hear from Mikel Arteta later this afternoon. Uh, he's, he's meeting doing a Zoom quiz. He's doing a Zoom quiz press yeah. conference. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I don't think they're broadcasting it live, but we should get some coverage of it uh, later in the evening on the official side. I think it's happening around four thirty. So, you know, assuming. Uh, all of the Zoom participants behave themselves and there isn't sort of, um, you know, somebody uh, mistakenly thinking their camera is off and doing something they shouldn't. Not that I would suggest any football Who can journalist. blame them? <laughs> Mikel Arteta's <laughs> handsomeness and wonderful hair. Like a Lego hair Jesus. Lego hair I will actually Jesus. be on the Zoom call. Shall I, I, I guarantee this to you now, if my camera's on, I am not wearing trousers, Okay. Wow. If they if they ever broadcast footage of that press conference, I'm trouserless or pantless as you would have it. Right. Well, there's an image that we all look forward to <laughs> when we're watching this later on. Everyone will be sitting there thinking of your, at, at best, your knobbly knees. Yeah. Um, Mikel, may I just stand to ask this next question? <laughs> no, no, James. <laughs> the press the press officer intervenes. No, no. No, no. Sit down. But I think it really would be better if I stood. No. No standing. No standing. <laughs> you have to introduce uh, safe standing in, in Mikel Arteta's Zoom press conferences. Yeah, no, I mean, it'll be interesting to hear from him. And it's a massive game for him, surely, like against Pep, you know, mm. against the club where he kind of learnt his trade as a coach. I think, you know, you say you go to City away, there's not always lots at stake. But I think for Arteta, there is quite a lot of stake, actually. Mm. I think a lot of his pride will be at play here and he will want to make sure his team are competitive and give a good account of themselves. Yeah, I, I don't know if you will get the opportunity, but if you did have the chance to ask Mikel Arteta one question, what mm. would it be? I don't know if I am going to have the opportunity today because I think they're sort of operating on, operating on a sort of rotating panel basis. And I, well, if I am on the panel for today... I've not yet been alerted. So let's have a think. What would my one question be? I was thinking about that. Um, I think I would ask him, off the top of my head, I would say I'd love to know what he's looking for in this period of the season when mm. his team play that's sort of distinct from what we saw last time. Like, you know, what has he tried to change? Um because I think, I mean, he's not going to tell anyone that, is he? Because he doesn't want Man City to know. But I do think that's sort of, as fans, the most interesting thing. That what has this break afforded him the chance to do, to implement? Mm. Um, I mean, obviously, everyone will just ask him if Aubameyang's staying. I mean, that's you know, that's the that's the real answer. That is, we'll 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 get to that in part two. Um, what would you ask him? I think I would ask him what. <sighs> What is what's the goal of these nine ten games? Right, yeah. You know, beyond the sort of well, we want to win every game kind of thing. Like, is there is, he is there a specific target? Champions League. Let's go for it. I guess. I guess. I mean, it's yeah. Maybe it's an obvious question and one that's a bit too easy to bat away. But maybe in these nine ten games, are there things he's looking for? Um, like, are these? Are these games really about this season or are they a bit more about next season? Yeah, but but I think you're right in that even if they are, he can't say No, that, he can't say it, no. He so all the questions it. we want to ask, he can't tell us. I mean, the real, the other question that we'd, you'll all be screaming at home, I'm sure, is what's going on with Saka's contract? 
can you tell us anything? And I'm sure that will come up. Uh, yeah. I mean, there are issues uh, with some of the players in terms of... In the very short term. Yeah, yeah. because we have to... We have to do something about Cedric if we want to keep him. Yeah, by we have to do something about David Louise, I believe. By David Louise also. Um, I just point out here that with Cedric, I thought like, well, you know, it should be easy to extend. But um, Ali Boy uh, eighty two, Ali Boy eighty two on Twitter just reminded me said that it's a bit complicated um, <clears throat> because. Technically, if we sign him on any sort of deal from the 1st of July, he can't play until next season. The FA may give us an exemption as, it, as it's a weird circumstance. But as it stands, that's the, the state of play. Extending his loan with Southampton isn't an option because he's out no. of contract with Southampton at the he'd end of to, June. Exactly. He'd have to kind of, as far as I understand it, I think he'd have to agree an extension with Southampton Mm. On, on the sort of Premier League basis that's being applied to certain other players for an extra month or something, and then consequently extend the loan. Um, which I wonder if that might be Arsenal's preference, because then they get a bit more time to have a look at him. I mean, maybe, God forbid, even play a game. What do you think is going to happen with him? I've always thought that Arsenal would sign him. Mm. Um, because it's it's a a deal that can be done in a, in what's likely to be a very difficult market very easily. Yeah. And, you know, they feel they need another right-back. He is a right-back. He's there. He won't cost a transfer fee. I can't imagine his wages are going to be too crazy. <coughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll let you uh, fill in the gap. No, but, I mean, yeah, you know. Uh, so I, I, I kind of have always thought it will happen. What mm. about you? It feels like an easy one and, you know, for the other reasons that, you know, we don't need to go into. It's a convenient one for some people uh, to, to make it happen. So um, it wouldn't surprise me if we signed him on a, on a permanent deal. Um, I, I mean, yeah, I, I hear from the coaching staff that he's, um, you know, settled really well. And, like, you know, everyone likes him. Nice guy. Decent player, by all accounts. He's carrying an injury at the moment because he's got the eye mask. He's got a whack in training, I believe. Um, yeah, it's not like he's there and they're like, what the hell's this guy doing here? But nor is it like we've got to sign him up. He's mm. an absolute world beater. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what about David Luiz? Do we, do, we, do we keep him? Do we extend well, his deal? What are we going to do there? It's an interesting one, isn't it? I mean... You'd have to think it's getting extended until the end of the season regardless. Surely that's as much in his interests as mm. anyone else's. Um, I mean, when I saw that story from Benfica, do you, I think you ran it on Ask Blog News, the chairman of Benfica saying, I was on the phone to David the other day and he was yeah. in the car with his agent and they were looking to sign a new deal with Arsenal. In my head, I kind of assume that was a deal until the end of this season yeah. to sort of ironing out that but maybe if you if i was david louise's agent and i was in that negotiation i'd be pushing for the second year right yeah but if you're arsenal you've already dropped 20 million plus on david louise for one season and you've got you know um Mustafi, you've got Socrates, you've got Holding, you've got Chambers, you've got Mavropanos, Saliba. you've got yeah. Pablo Marie, and you've got Saliba coming in. That's a glut of central defenders. 
um, some of whom might be very difficult to move. Like it might mm-hmm. be, I'm not saying we want to move Mustafi. I'm not necessarily sure we do. Um, but even if we wanted to move Socrates, it's difficult, you know, because of what's yeah. going on. So, um, yeah, it's some, a tricky one. Like Louise could be like natural attrition, if you like, just not renewing for the second year, keeping him till the end think, of the season. But am I am I right in thinking there's a deadline? Twenty third deals. Yeah, twenty third of of June. So we will know sooner or later. But I, yeah, I see Louise staying until the end of this season at at least. Mm. Um, and I haven't ruled out that he'll stay longer than that. If they can, you know, juggle the numbers to make it work. I mean, Arteta won't be that concerned with the numbers. His thing will be, which players do I want? Yeah. And I still think he would want Luis. If it was, if he was making that decision himself, based purely on playing style and things like that, I think he would. I think he would pick Luis. Yeah, yeah. It's um. But it's a a tricky one. It's a really, really tricky one. It's a very interesting area of the squad to think about and to consider and, you know, the future of where we go with the players that we have, you know? Because there's pretty much question mark over every single player. You think Louise is 33, not getting any younger, was basically rubbish until Arteta took over and then has been... And he's very expensive. Uh, very expensive and has been fine. Socrates, you know, he's been all right since he joined and that's about it. You know, you, you couldn't you couldn't say that he's been brilliant. Mustafi, you know, what what more do we need to say about him um, mm. that we've we've said already? Uh, you know, I know there's this, there's been a sort of recalibration of people's opinion about him and you know, he's come back in under Arteta and done okay. You know, he's done fine, uh, apart from, you know, the one or two high-profile mistakes. You think of the one at Chelsea, you know, that somehow is is uh, forgotten about because of what Gabriel Martinelli did. And we, we, you know, showed real character in that game to get something out. Callum Chambers, yeah. injured long-term. Rob Holding, suffering from the cruciate injury that he got, um, which, uh, you know, we don't know quite what he's going to be like after that. It seems to have sort of put some, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, a kind of halt on his development. Ice, Mav- yeah. yeah. Or the brakes on. Yeah, exactly. Mavropanos. Or other metaphors. Yeah, whichever you like. <laughs> um, Mavropanos, you know, playing okay in, in the Bundesliga too, but that's not really the path to regular first-team football at Arsenal. Um, we have Pablo Marie, who's come from Flamengo and done well there, but Flamengo were the best team in, in Brazil by a long way. How much was he challenged defensively there uh, compared to the way he will be in the Premier League? When you look at his uh, career trajectory, it's an unusual one. It's not to say that he can't develop into a good player for us, but, you know, Spanish second division, loans here, there and everywhere, and then to come from Brazil to the Premier League is unusual. Then we've got Saliba, uh, who is 18, 19 years of age, and... God Almighty, the hopes and expectations that we have in that kid are immense. Poor boy. Immense. You know, uh, and again, we have to be realistic about, you know, how quickly an 18-year-old, 19-year-old central defender can cope with Premier League football. So when you look at it in in the short term, it is, it's quite the conundrum as to how, have I forgotten anyone? I don't think I have, but, you know, 
how are we going to develop? Did we say uh, Chambers? Chambers, yeah, we said injured. Yeah. So, so I mean, yeah. And, and on Mavropanos, by the way, I don't know if you've seen, but there's been sort of little bits of transfer mm. suggestion that other clubs are looking at him. That sort of strikes me as an agent kind of thinking, maybe I need to think about the exit strategy or what's next for him. Do you know what I mean? I don't necessarily think... I, I find it very hard to believe he's coming back to Arsenal to be a major player. Yeah, maybe I'm wrong. But. Yeah, no, I, I don't see it either. So you know, there's a lot to there's a lot to work out in terms of our defence and obviously midfield as well and attack. So you know, just a few small problems, but attack is one of the big ones. And of course, um, who's going to score our goals is is uh, one of the key concerns that we have. The Aubameyang situation is an interesting one. There were some comments over the weekend, but how about we do this? We take a break, we come back, there's bound to be a question or two which can kick off that discussion, so we'll do that in part two. Great, let's do that. All right, we will be back with your questions and more right after this. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome back to the Arsecast Extra. This is part two of the show where we answer questions that you send to us on Twitter at GunnarBlog and at ArsBlog. Also on the ArsBlog Facebook page, except I forgot to do it today. Sorry, Facebook people, uh, but fuck Mark Zuckerberg. Uh, and also on the ArsBlog Discord chat server, which you get access to if you are an ArsBlog member on Patreon. If you are an ArsBlog member on Patreon, by the way, you can join myself and Andrew Allen tomorrow evening for a uh, YouTube live stream. We'll be chatting about the return of football and taking your questions so get involved if you want patreon.com forward slash arsblog and uh, i'll post up the details of that for the patreon members a bit later on um right we should start with the uh the obama yang thing um we should do we should do um there, do there's a question there's like a load of questions uh for example yeah. the cruciate blog who's at cruciate blog says if uh Aubameyang signals his intention to leave do you think arsenal should replace him externally or do we uh, have enough internally to focus on other areas of the squad um uh, Lucy, who's at Lucy Gooner, says, I expect I won't be the only one to ask this, but since his comments over the weekend, do you think we will lose Yang now? And for anyone who hasn't seen those um, those comments, let me just uh, read them out here. Uh, boom, boom, boom. Uh, I did have them here in front of me. 
and then I lost them, and now I'm just opening them up again. One second. Uh, basically, he was talking to Telefoot in France, and he said, I have not received an offer to extend, but of course we have had exchanges with the club for a fair few months now. They know very well why so far nothing has happened. They have the keys. It's up to them to do their work, and after that we will see how things go. As you said, it's a turning point in my career, and I will be very frank with everyone. It will certainly be a very difficult decision to make, because I've still not decided, and we will see. It will be maybe the most important decision of my career. Your gut feeling on those quotes? My gut feeling is he's not signing a new deal. Mm. That that would be my reaction. What about you? Yeah. The same. The same. I mean, I mean we've been down this road before. More than many once. Many players. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I think... I mean, there is a reading of it where he says they know what to do. They have the keys, which is like, you know, pay the money kind of thing. But I kind of feel like the other the other half of what he says about it's a difficult decision. Maybe it's one of the most important decisions in my career. I do feel like that is um, not so much laying the groundwork, but sort of sort of, you know, showing the path to an exit potentially. I mean, when he says they have the keys, they know what to do. Do you think it's simply about the, the, the contract that he's being offered? Because he does talk also in the interview about wanting to win titles and every player wants to win titles, etc., etc. Yeah. So, you know, is it a case that some people might say, well, he's putting it up to the club to invest in the squad and to bring in the kind of players that we need in order to be competitive again and to win titles? Uh, I mean, it, it, it strikes me that, you know, there is a long way for Arsenal to go to win the Premier League again. A long way. Yeah. And Aubameyang I don't is, think Aubameyang has that time. No, he's basically. 31 next week. Or later sure. this week, actually. Until then, though, he remains 30 because... That is how it works. That's how it works. Um, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I kind of feel the same in that he could be let throwing down the gauntlet to Arsenal but Arsenal are ninth right now mm. I don't think we can get good enough to be anything like first in what he has remaining of his peak basically mm. and so I when I hear him say I want to win titles I want to achieve a, you know I, I kind of in my mind I'm thinking well he's thinking maybe an exit wouldn't be the worst yeah. thing. Um, like, if he wants to win the league with a club, it's not going to be with Arsenal. You know, as much as I would like that to happen and as hopeful and optimistic as I am about Mikel Arteta being able to bring us back there at some point, it's not going to be next season. You know, the gap is too big in terms of, you know, uh, the quality of Liverpool and Man City, it's too big for us to 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 bridge in a single season unless something incredible happens. Um, so, if he wants to win a league title again as a as a player, it's going to be somewhere else. And I don't think he has won a league title. I think did I'm he, right in saying. I, I, I think he didn't get it with Dortmund. I did think he not? He won two cups, I believe. Um, so, so you know, there is a kind of legitimate thing of him wanting, wanting uh, to, to kind of tick that off in his career. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's a really, really complicated situation as well because 
we'll get on to what the club have done wrong, and I think the club have obviously got this partly wrong. But I also think that it's not necessarily straightforward. You know, they could say, let's throw all the money at the problem mm. and sign him to a contract. Yeah. But given given what happened with Meza Ozil in terms of putting someone on a huge amount of money in the kind of second half of their career, Aubameyang even further on in his career potentially, although he doesn't seem to be slowing down necessarily, you know, you might tie yourself into a a very costly long-term financial commitment at a time when the club economic situation is not good. So I don't know if it's as simple as you just throw all the money at it. Yeah, I mean, the optics of that are very strange anyway because they forced through this pay cut, which they did very, very quickly, you know, and I I thought it was quite interesting to hear Hector Bellerin talk about how it sort of brought them together and stuff like that. Um, You know, I, I suspect that, you know, it has caused more ripples and publicly Hector is being very diplomatic about the situation. And I think it might have strengthened the relationship between the playing squad themselves and the manager, if not the um, the the executive level. And it's that executive level. Yeah. yeah, it's that executive level with whom Aubameyang has to negotiate if he is minded to do so, if he feels like he wants to, you know? Um, mm. I, I thought it was quite interesting as well to to read that Mikel Arteta himself was becoming more involved in the, the negotiations, personally, mm. which mm. speaks to me, you know, um, of a kind as of... As he a, did on the pay cut. Yeah, yeah you know, uh, yeah, to sort of try and smooth things over. But, but how do you force through a pay cut of 12.5% across the board and then justify what would have to be a very significant pay rise to one of the already best-paid players in the squad. Mm. It's a weird situation in in that sense. And I think you're right. You know, the age, um, you know, he's still a, a hugely effective player. But having given Mesut Ozil exactly what he wanted... Um, and tied themselves into a huge financial commitment for uh, a number of years, I'm not sure that they will be inclined to do that again when it comes to when it comes to Aubameyang. Yeah, I mean, if you, I think if you put it to the club and said, you know, why the delay with these contracts, they would obviously point to the coronavirus crisis, and I think everyone would have a degree of sympathy with that, notwithstanding the fact that these perhaps could and should have been dealt with before this point, you know, mm. and that is yeah. the other side of it, is that, you know, we're all aware that two years out is a problem and it's a problem that we've kind of put on the shelf and look, now it's now it's here, mm. now we've got to deal with it. And we're dealing with it in the worst possible circumstances, really, because it's quite, it feels a bit lose-lose with Arsenal because, let's say, we sell him this summer, we probably don't get what we would have got mm. In a different world, you know, I think financially we're not going to get the kind of fee we might have thought it was on the table. And if we keep him, we are letting a really valuable asset go for nothing in 12 months again. Yeah, you can't. Um, yeah. I mean, I don't want to... Do you think that's not an option? Let, you see, the, the thing is, I suppose they have to consider, is the money on offer less valuable than the goals he will score for us if he stays for a season? It's like yeah, weighing I mean, that, up, weighing up. You know, how much are we going to get for him? Is that enough to source a good replacement? 
Um, I mean, you make the point, we won't get as much for him as we might have thought, but at the same time, the player that we, we might want to buy could be cheaper also because of the, the way the market goes. So there is yeah, that. But- and, and we would remove him from the wage bill as well, let's not forget. I mean, maybe that has a, a mm. weight in the discussion. I mean, Graham J. Hawk on Twitter says, I can't shake the feeling that Oba will live, leave on a free next summer. I think the club won't want to sell him for £20 million ish now, with his goals being so crucial to our hopes of qualification for the Champions League. The lure of £100 million for fourth spot will surely outweigh any small transfer fee now. And yeah. I, I, I kind of am minded to agree with that. I, I kind of have the sense that they won't sell him and they will let him go in a year for nothing. Well, you know, if you're the man in charge of, you know, it could turn out to be a master stroke. Who knows if he scores enough goals the next season. I just feel like, given everything that's gone on, you know, not just about the lockdown and COVID and everything else, but, you know, the way that football is going to be impacted in the long term, but also the way that this season has played out uh, and the, the the situation that we found ourselves in. If there is a time to press the reset button properly, mm-hmm. it's now. You know, mm-hmm. we've just brought in a new, a new manager, a new young manager. Um, look, I can see all sides of this argument, but I think if there's money on offer... For Aubameyang, I think they'll find it very hard to turn down. I think they will because he's going to go one way or the other. Yeah, you might as well get yeah, something yeah, yeah. for him. You might as well use that money. You can't do what we did with Ramsey and Welbeck. You just can't do it. Like even if we persuade him to stay at the end of next season, we're going to have to pay him a fortune. You know that that they want to move away clearly from this. You know from Mesut Ozil's salary being the. The sort of um, benchmark. The benchmark, yeah. exactly. That's the word I was looking for. Um, you know, they want to recalibrate the wage bill, it seems pretty clear. And if you give Aubameyang, I mean, he's on big, big money anyway. I mean, he's he's comfortably number two. Yeah. Uh, do you know what I mean? On that list. I Him mean, and Mkhitaryan, yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, you know, th- I, I do think that the thought of, well, maybe we take him off the wage bill, that, that probably will be in their mind. If they're thinking about it with Louise, they have to think about it with other people in that sort of bracket. And Aubameyang is certainly one of them. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, it is actually, I think, a really tricky one. I think you could ask five Arsenal fans and they'd give you five different solutions. What it comes down to is the people who are paid millions of pounds to get these things right, you know. Um and 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 unfortunately, I mean, as I say, I have sympathy with the club in that coronavirus has happened. It's changed the economic landscape. It's affected their ability to negotiate contracts. It's affected their, the transfer market. But we were in this position in March anyway. Do you yep. know what I mean? Yep. We, we let this happen to an extent. And I think, I think with Aubameyang, we were sort of willing to kind of accept it because he was just so productive that, you know, uh, making a decision to sell him two years out in the summer of We Cared at You, I just think would have been, would have mm. played terribly. Uh, and but, but it may have still been the right thing in a, funny, uh, in a funny sort of way. I don't know. I just wonder if when we signed him, we could have signed him on a longer contract. Could that have been... Maybe, but I mean, when a guy's... What was he, 28, 29? You really don't know what's going to happen at 30, 31. You know, it, 
I think Aubameyang's uh, sprightliness at his age is a little bit of a trend uh, against trend, you know? Mm. And I think that maybe the club have been caught off guard by that as much as anybody. Uh, But it's... So I can understand them thinking, well, look, he might not be worth that money in five years yeah. or six years. Sure. I mean, I guess it, 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 it raises questions about the, the recruitment strategy, you know, that's been in place and, and the way we, you know, we signed Aubameyang for, what, £55 million after dropping £50 million on Lacazette the previous yeah. summer or six months previously. Who, yeah. let's not forget, is two years out himself pretty much at this point. Yeah. So we should be having this discussion about him as well. Well, that's what Sanya, he said, was going to happen. You know, typically a contractor. And, you know, I'll be absolutely fair. He has inherited some of these problems. These are not all of his making, but these things are happening under his watch as head of football. So we have... You know, the Aubameyang situation, Mustafi a year out, Ozil a year out. I recognise that's a, you know, a very different one. Socrates a year out. Uh, and we also have Bakayo Saka. So we have a question from Ali, who's that chief doozy, who says, how worried about you about, how worried are you about Saka's contract situation, considering his agent is infamous for leading clubs on and then moving his clients abroad? We were promised a change under the new regime, and it all seems very Gazidis-esque. Mm. How worried are you about, about the Saka? Yeah. More worried about it than I am about the Aubameyang one. Yeah, definitely. Because sooner, because to my mind, Aubameyang probably is going to go and it's sort of a question of how and when and what happens. Mm. Whereas I think with Saka, this is a player who should be at Arsenal for the next 10 years. Yeah. You know? All being... Right, if and you know that's what we should be hoping for. That's what what we should be building for. Um, and we could we could very very easily lose him. I mean, you know, you look at Liverpool for example when Raheem Sterling broke through there, and they must have thought, oh, this guy's going to be the bedrock of our team for mm. a decade or whatever. It didn't go that way. It didn't want to stay didn't sign a new deal and off he went and if if a Man City type club and bear in mind I mean I've, I've just thought of this but Man City got real problems on their left hand side in that Leroy Sane is going to leave almost certainly this summer they don't really have a reliable left back I mean That's the right, attacking yeah. left back they bought in Mendy is very brittle you know there are there is a way you could use Saka in that position as well I mean, if someone mm. like that comes and knocks on the door and says, here's almost anything north of, I don't know, 45 million, Arsenal will have to think about it very, very carefully. Yeah, I mean, the idea that he could leave on a free is is the one that worries me the most. But again, you know, 12 months out. Yeah. I think you, it would be a, a compensation, but I think it might as well be a free. I don't think that would be anything like his transfer. No, 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 no. But that's the thing. You know, it's it's a situation that is open to be exploited by clubs with deep pockets, and there are a few right, of those yeah. around. So they could just there wait it out. a few out. of those around. Or make a bid that we just can't refuse. You know... Yeah, that's what I'm saying. If you're yeah. only going to get 12 million when he goes for compensation anyway, and someone offers you... If someone offers you forty now, you know you might think, well, look what you know certain players are going for. Maybe you could get more, but compared to what you'll get, it's a replacement. Do you mm. know what I mean? It's a lot of money, and none of us want to see that happen because, you know, uh, 
it's a horrible phrase to sing given the way to say given the way it was abused in the what we saw in London at the weekend but he is one of our own he's an academy kid you know he's yeah. someone who we really really I mean it's the one cause for optimism isn't it like uh, the big cause for optimism apart from Mikel Arteta is this clutch of young players that we've got yeah and Saka has been one of the most um, eye-catching of those and look I, I, I think it would be I think it would be reasonable enough to say that perhaps not everybody expected him to have the kind of season that he's had, right? Absolutely not. No, no, that's fair. That's fair. At the same time, though, I can remember last summer Mm. when I was uh, over in the US following the tour and he was playing... And you could see, and I think I wrote about it at the time, and I might have said it to you on the podcast, that he is ready. Like, he's ready for Premier League minutes. I didn't necessarily expect him to get as many minutes as he had because of all the various things that have gone on with injuries and, and, you know, some of the squad management and, and everything else. I didn't expect him to play quite as much. But it was very, very clear that he was ready to play some part in our season. Mm. And when they moved on the likes of Mkhitaryan, when they sold Alex Iwobi, they were making space in the squad for him, you know, Mm -hmm. that he could fill that gap. Um, Why the fuck did they not give him a new contract last summer? Why are we three months uh, after our last game with no update whatsoever about his future? You know, because... What else is there to It's a to different negotiation, do? isn't it? Well, it is ago. now. But 12 yeah. months ago, you say, look, we think you're great. We, 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 we're going to take uh, a little gamble on you here, and we're going to offer you a good contract, a good rise. Uh, you're going to be involved, et cetera, et cetera. It's a far easier deal to do then than it is now. And I think now it's, it's, a, really, yeah. it's a really difficult situation. And I think it's one that you have to look upstairs at and say they haven't handled it well. And if we lose a talent like Saka, whether it's through opportunities or opportunism from from a, a big club that's going to you know come in and make an offer this summer, or we lose him on a free because we can't match the terms that he's going to be offered any, anywhere else because he can leave um, you know uh, without a transfer fee being play, paid and only compensation, then heads heads should roll. And the thing is, I do think this is a deal that Arsenal should be able to do. Like, yes, okay, we've talked about the kind of nightmare scenario of a Man City coming in. That's possible, but he is still young. He is still a teenager. You know, he's not necessarily someone who's going to start for the very best teams in the world immediately. He, if he stays at Arsenal, probably knows he's going to be quite a big part of proceedings for the next two or three years. Mm. He's working with a coach who he knows believes in him, who's got a good record with young talent, you know, in his role at Man City. Yeah. He's playing with his mates that he's grown up with at Arsenal Football Club. Like, yeah. He's he's at home with his family. Like, all these things make this a doable deal. And and even with my most cynical hat on, if I was advising Saka, I'd say stay at Arsenal for two or three years, see how they go, see how they develop. Mm. It's not like there aren't going to be opportunities for you to make a move at the end of that period. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Um, it's not the Jaden Sancho situation. The Jaden Sancho situation, he couldn't get a game 
for City. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, he yeah, he yeah. was not involved. He was not going to get near the England set up. His development was stunted by the fact he couldn't break through. Saka is playing in the Premier League and he's going to play. He's going to play most of the time, I would say. So there are, there are enough reasons there to, to persuade him that staying at Arsenal was a good idea. And I think they need to do it. And I think if it means they have to pay him a little bit more than feels comfortable... I still think that's probably a good investment. I mean, if this is a, if this is an ownership and an executive that thought, well, we're going to spend seventy million on Nicola Pepe speculatively because he might turn out to be really good, then I'm damn sure you can pay Saka what he needs a week to stay. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah, feels yeah. like a safer bet to me. So. And he's a homegrown player, all that stuff. You know, contributes to the quota. I, I am worried about it though because mm. it's unusual for a player of that age to get within this close of his contract ending. It is unusual. It is, but then most of the players of this age when they're age, good, yeah. Sorry, th- when yeah. they're good, most of the players of this age who sign like their first professional contract at the age of seventeen. You know they don't really kick on in the in the way that Saka has, or as quickly as he has. So you know, while yeah. recognizing that is a, a a part of why this is a, a difficult situation, I still still don't think we've handled it very well. But like you know, September twenty nineteen, Joe Willett was twenty, been in around the team a little bit. He got himself a new long term contract. Mm. You know, I, I think Eddie and Ketia got one not too long ago as well. I think I'm right in saying that he extended his deal. I mean, you know, when players have been in around the first team set up, you give them a deal. I mean, when Saka banged in a goal against Frankfurt from 25 yards on his debut in European football, that's when you really need to sort of hammer this out. You know, that's when you know we've got something here. Yeah. And maybe his side have been incredibly obstructive, but... Um, like I say, there's enough in Arsenal's favour that I feel like they should be able to get this one over the line. Mm. Should have been able to. Should have been. Like, yeah. What else have they been doing during the lockdown? Well, uh, (laughs) taking uh, 12% of his money off. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, What about this from AFC Met? With Aaron Ramsey linked with a move away from Juventus. Would you take him back at Arsenal? Um, like, I love Darren Ramsey, but I think that ship has sailed. I would have... Whatever criticism I might have about the way we're being run, um, losing Aaron Ramsey for free was bad enough. Paying to get him back would be even worse. <laughs> <laughs> it would be fucking crazy, you know? Um, yeah. So... No, no, uh, I don't. I don't think that would be a good idea. Nice business model from Juventus, though, isn't it? Get these players on a free and then flip them after a season. Um, it's quite strange because before coronavirus, he'd kind of settled into the team. He'd hmm. found a position. I think he was playing on the right hand side of a diamond in midfield, and I think he scored against Inter right before the break behind closed doors in a massive game. He actually did an interview in The Athletic with James Hall. Yeah, I just read that. He sounded very happy there. Sounds very content. Yeah. You know, he's out there with Chesney. And then they had a cup game in midweek and he wasn't in the squad. 
and suddenly there are these stories saying he might they might let him go. I mean, maybe he's on a massive amount of money, given that he went there for nothing. Mm, I, I think mean, that's that, true. Yeah, yeah, that could be a big part of it. But uh, I don't think he will want to leave there. I think he really wants to make a success of it. He's really tried to learn the language and adapt to the culture. Um, I can't see him coming back to Arsenal, though, no. I sort of think the financial reasons sort of render it almost uh, Mm. non-discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Stark on the Discord says, which of the youngsters do you feel will get the most game time and which of them do you feel will have an impact in these last nine games? Well, I'm really excited about the youngsters. I do think that they're kind of, as I said, the one of the major causes for optimism. I've said it a couple of times on here, but I've got a good feeling for Reese Nelson. Mm. Um, just, I mean, I, this is a strange thing as well. I mean, Arteta's really been positive about him in press conferences and stuff and, and used him in the team on occasion. I don't know if you've noticed this, but in the friendlies and the training matches, he looks bigger to me, Reese Nelson. Like... I feel like, I don't know what age he is now. Is he 21, something like that? Mm. But he, his frame and stuff, he's really, he's 20. He's 21 at Christmas, so he's still very young. But he's really filled out, I think. And uh, I just think as a kind of, it's so weird because when he was coming through the ranks, we talked about him all the time as kind of like a flair player. Everyone talked about his outrageous skill and his talent. And now everyone's like, well, he's a good hard worker, Reese Nelson, he'll give you a good shape. Like he's sort of Danny Welbeck or something. Um but I do think that he plays with a positional discipline. He can play kind of a traditional winger role on the right-hand side. He's versatile. He can play at 10 if you want. He can play from the left. Um, I'm not sure he'll play the most, but I just have the feeling that this might be a period in which he makes a step forward. Uh, who will play the most? I do think Saka. I do think mm. Saka. I mean, I just think he's the best of the bunch for me. So yeah, I think he's the one I see. What do you think? I think it'll be Saka, and I think, you know, if we're going to go with Kieran Tierney at left-back, which seems to be the case, mm. um, you know, Saka has done a good job there, but I I think we can all see that he's a player who will give us more in the final third than the defensive third. Mm. Um, if you're looking to build to the future, I think Saka and, and giving him game time and convincing him that this is a you know this is his position this is where he's going to play this is where he can you know make a real impact as a player and start to really develop and 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 hone his talent and everything else it would be Saka for me for sure um, but I think that probably has an impact on some of the other positional things because Aubameyang has played from the left a lot. Um, yeah, the I mean, central, the, the, the centre forward discussion to be had then. Yeah, I mean I, that's the funny thing. I mean Saka's probably the best of the bunch, the brightest star, but he's probably in competition if if Arteta continues to use Aubameyang on the left with the club captain and the top goal scorer. So potentially that has a little bit of an impact. I mean, what I think is really encouraging though is that you could make a case for Eddie Nketiah because he finished the, not the season, but the last period of football in pretty good form and as part of things. You know, I think there's a real chance he'll be involved, especially with Arsenal still being in in the FA Cup. And I, I mean, I feel like I've said this before and I know not everyone agrees, but I do still think there's something exciting about Joe Willock and it hasn't escaped my attention. He scored in both friendly games and mm. I do think he offers you something going beyond the striker. So, you know, that... There is a little collection of young players there, academy players in that instance, 
who do have an opportunity to be part of things. And there will surely be rotation. I mean, that's the only thing I think we can say with any certainty, that Mikel is going to have to mix things up, I think, yeah. to juggle this squad a bit. Yeah. And that will benefit those guys. Um, mm. Yeah. Okay, well, here's, here's a question uh, from Arse Nile, who's at Arse underscore Nile on Twitter. And he says, if we do lose Aubameyang this summer, what should we do with regards to Lacazette? Use the Aubameyang money to sign him to a new contract and build a side around him, or sell him as well to invest in a young forward and start a proper rebuild? I'm going to play my catchphrase. I don't know. <laughs> I, I really don't with these strikers. I think it's really hard. And I, and I, I would say, holding my hands up, I have probably argued to keep and sell both of them at various points in the last two years. And I think most people probably have at some point, if they're being honest. Um, it's, it, the, I mean, the, the one interesting thing is, in Martinelli and Nketiah, we do have a couple of potentially quite exciting young centre-forward options. Um, I think I saw... A tw- uh, I think if you sell Lacazette, it's kind of OK, but I do think you need someone who is a relatively reliable goal scorer. Mm. I don't think you can just go with the kids and sort of hope just for that to work. When it comes to, like, having someone who puts the ball in the net, I don't know if I can quite get on board with Project Youth just at that sort of business end of the team. Well, I mean, if you do sell Aubameyang and you get some money in for him, and if you sell Lacazette, yeah. Although I don't quite know exactly where he would go and for how much. You know, you you like I said earlier, you press the reset button, you start again, and you can use that money to invest in in um, you know potential target. The idea that we don't have our eye on some kind of um, striker is absurd. I mean, there's the the guy at Celtic, isn't there? That we keep being linked with. Um, oh, Edouard. Yeah, Edouard, yeah. yeah. You know, so, uh, look, I certainly wouldn't give Lacazette a new deal. Right. Well, then you've got to sell him, haven't you? Then really? I've got to sell him, yeah. I wouldn't give him a new deal. I mean, I think he's an okay player, um, but I just, I just, yeah, I'd be I'd be more inclined to go down the, the rebuild road. Um yeah. I, I saw this interesting tweet. It's from Flanny Balls on Twitter. And it was actually about the Thomas Party rumours, but it kind of applies in this situation. And he said, re the party thing. My view, aside from the fact I don't think it will happen, is that Arsenal shouldn't really be spending big money anyway. But if they do, it should be on prime years, elite level talents who can push the club up a level. I see the argument for only spending that money on the next big thing, but the problem with that is it's too easy to get your fingers burnt and then the money is wasted. Cheap young punts, nurture the academy (laughs) and spend money on the ready players. Um, Which I I do kind of understand. I mean, he goes on to say, you know, buying Pepe so far has been worse than buying a Bamiak, you know, Mm. in in a sort of funny way. And, And I... That might be proved wrong. Pepe may come good. But I do think if we were to lose a Bemiang and Lacazette, mm. 
I almost feel like you need as close to a sure thing as possible to replace them. But are we are we a club that can go out and buy a sure thing? I mean, Lacazette on paper was kind of a, a sure thing, wasn't he? In, in the sense that yeah. he had a great goal-scoring record at, at Lyon. Um, and, he, you know, he scored goals for us, there's, there's no doubt about it, but not with the same kind of frequency as, as he did in, in France. You know, there are perhaps comparisons to Sylvain Wiltord in that sense. Mm. Do you know what I mean? That, mm. that he scored a lot in France and came and scored some good goals for us and, and was um, a useful player, but, you know, not quite at the same level as he was in France. So maybe... Mm. You know the the financial restrictions that we're going to be operating under mean that we're not going to be able to go out and sign an Aubameyang again for a while. So the I'm alternative not, yeah. is is to not necessarily take a cheap punt, but to you know to to try and identify a player who can come of age with us, if you like. So, look, I, yeah, it's yeah. it's a tricky one, but I just think that we would probably get more bang for our book if we went down that road and if we're in a situation where you know we're adding let's say a a 22 23 year old striker um to the squad and letting the two guys who are sort of pushing 30 31 go i don't know i i don't I know mean, that- let me say this if you can find someone to give you a good chunk of money for Lacazette this season mm. This summer, rather, uh, or whenever the window happens, mm. I think there's a really good case to be made that you that you take that and you sort of do make a bargain of like, therefore we can kind of keep a Bamiang. I don't know. I, I, you know, if you've got to choose one, everyone's choosing a Bamiang, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Even even if he's a few years older, but. Maybe maybe we're just going to have to face up to the reality of the situation that we find ourselves in. If Aubameyang won't go, sell, take the money. And sure. if you're not going to extend Lacazette, bite the bullet, sell, and and move on and get somebody get somebody new in. It's a big... Uh, it's a big responsibility that kind of weighs on the executive, but also on Mikel Arteta in terms of how he chooses to kind of rebuild and remodel around all this you know Mm. it kind of feels like he might have to go backwards before he goes forwards yeah that's fair enough um Uh i mean lacazette has nine goals this season Mm. it's not great it's not i mean i'm one of the people who would defend lacazette more i think that he does give something to the team as well beyond his goals but yeah let's see what we see of him in this period i mean i think He's someone who is good when he's had a rest, basically. Mm. Um, so maybe we'll get a sharper Lacazette back. But even so, whatever happens, you've got to make a decision on him in the in the transfer window because he's two years out. Yeah, yep, yep, yep. A lot of and decisions. I, and, I, and I agree. Even as someone who I think you know, I quite rate Lacazette. I think he's a good player. I still think I'm not sure I would give him a new deal. Yeah, you know. So. Um, Okay, let's have this question. Duran, with games being played through British summer, do we think the temperature will have an impact on player performance? Could we see the introduction of water breaks like they do during pre-season tours? Um, I don't know. I mean, it depends on the weather. I mean, this is not like playing in the south of Spain, with all due respect to this part of the world that we live in. Sure. 
um, you know, we can get some hot weather, but it's not the kind of um, not the kind of temperatures that really have a significant impact. I mean, it'd be no different from a, a player going to the World Cup or something like that, you know. So I, yeah, I noticed in, in August. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I notice in Spain that they they are having cooling breaks. Um, half an hour into the first half and half an hour into the second half, they're stopping for water. But you know, this is summer in Spain where it gets very, very hot. It's not going to be like that in, in the UK. Um, you know, we might get a bit of a, a heat wave every now and again, but consistently they're not the kind of temperatures that should trouble the players. So, mm-hmm. um, look, we do have to wrap this up. We've been going a while, but just to give people, um, people asked, are we going to predict the games? And apparently we did it already. And I've got to say a big thank you to hang on. Uh, bum, bum, bum. Uh, Joseph Golden, who A, remembered that we did it, which we didn't. Incredible. Uh, and not only did he remember that we did it, he put it in a spreadsheet for us and sent us it's the spreadsheet. It's on the Call of Duty. Um, and the predictions are Manchester City, we both predicted we'd lose that. We both predicted we'd win Brighton. Um, you predicted a draw with Southampton. I predicted a win. We both predicted a win against Norwich. Um, you predicted a loss against Wolves, and I predicted a draw. You predicted we would beat Leicester, and I said we would draw. We both picked a win against Spurs, because what else can you do about pick a win against Spurs? Um, we both said we'd draw against Liverpool, which seems hugely optimistic. Ludicrous. But, you know, insane. they'll be on the beach. They'll be on the beach. They're gonna win. True, they're going to win the title. Um, so they're going to be, you know switched off so maybe we'll 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 manage that you said a draw against Villa and I said a win and then I said a win against Watford so I have a bizarrely well bizarrely I don't know if it's bizarre but optimistically picking up 21 points out of 30 you have 18 points out of uh, out of 30 and uh, that's good that's that's the good news about that is if all the teams above us lose all their games <laughs> then we'll actually finish second with both those tallies yeah so awesome that'd be yeah. incredible i don't know if that's possible though um well, certainly not no 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 and uh, joseph did some predictions himself and he has predicted 23 points uh from 30 so he's more optimistic than either of us um wow. so let's see hopefully he's right um and we'll see what happens there so so that's it so look we are almost there we're gonna do um we're going to do a, a a little special post-game podcast, podcast on Thursday. Yeah. Uh, just to sort of mark the return of football and, you know, who knows what our mood will be like on Thursday morning. But this is something that we've been missing from our lives, all of us, and it's coming back. So it's to be looked forward to. Um, whether it's enjoyed or not remains to be seen. Um, but it's good. It's good to have it back. I think. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Good. It'd be great to do a podcast about a game again. I think it'll be great. I mean. Yeah. yeah. Hey. I uh, keep remembering it's Man City. Be like. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Fuck. Shit. Okay, we shall well, see. We shall see. All right. Well, look. Thank you, everyone, for being with us throughout this lockdown and throughout this three-month period without football. We really do appreciate your continued listening, your continued support. Patience. Hopefully, patience as well. And um, yes, not just with the situation as a whole, but with uh, both of us, because, you know... Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> the we, ramblings of the, the, yeah. deranged people at this point. Exactly. But look, you know, it's on the way back. So just thank you. Um, it'll be great to have football to talk about again. 
Um, and hopefully there'll be some some fun moments to enjoy between now and the end of this season. Um, so we'll leave it there for today. We will catch you on Thursday. Until then, bye bye. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.